Mino Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. Today, we're going to talk about some postpartum considerations, particularly breastfeeding and sex. A lot of women struggle with breastfeeding and struggle with getting back to that intimate place in their relationships. So, of course, we're going to delve into it today. According to the ACLU, black women are more likely to receive in-hospital formula introduction which is associated with lower breastfeeding rates because breastfeeding has a ton of health benefits for both mom and baby. It's extremely important to encourage this. However, some of us struggle with balancing sexual health with breastfeeding during the postpartum period to help me discuss this further. I have a very special guest and dear friend with me today, Dr. Kim Harris. Dr. Kim Harris is a board-certified OBGYN in Indianapolis, Indiana. She did her undergraduate training at Xavier University of Louisiana, followed by a master's in cellular and molecular biology from Tulane University. She then attended medical school at Indiana University School of Medicine. She then completed her OBGYN residency at St. Vincent's Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. She practices at... Community Health Network, the busiest delivering hospital in the state where she specializes in obstetric care and minimally invasive gynecologic techniques and preventive care. She is the wife of Dr. Luis Nunez, an internal medicine physician, also at Community Health Network. Together, they have three kids, Luis Jr., Selena, and Gabriel. And I have to mention that she is my soror of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Yay, Kim, welcome to the podcast. Yay, thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is um, so, a very important topic, so I'm happy that uh, you asked me to join. Well, I'm excited that you're here, and for our listeners, Kim is the person that delivered my child, Harrison, <laughs> and so I love her to death. I talk to her probably uh, every day. <laughs> we talk every day, and... Um, <laughs> We've been friends uh, for a long time, so I am excited uh, that she's on on the show. Uh, she and her husband have been very supportive of everything that my husband and I do. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So, Kim, what are some of the benefits of breastfeeding you can share with um, our listeners? Well, human milk is definitely the optimal source of nutrition for all infants. And... Um, what it does is for moms, it decreases the risk of developing type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, breast and ovarian cancers. For babies, it actually boosts the immune system, giving the baby a lower risk of childhood obesity, diabetes, asthma, um, infections, for example, GI infections, respiratory infections, ear infections. It also decreases the risk of SIDS, uh, some allergic conditions, improved visual function. 
And it contains all those macro and micronutrients, living cells and growth factors. So it definitely helps. Most women start to limit breastfeeding once they become sexually active or they don't feel comfortable having sex because they're breastfeeding. So are there benefits to being sexually active while continuing to breastfeed? Yes, they there are benefits to being sexually active. Um, but it is natural to have a lower sex drive after pregnancy. What we typically see is that estrogen levels drop and that causes vaginal dryness. So for some women, they can experience pain when initiating sex and after birth. Um, also, some women could potentially have some body image issues after pregnancy where they feel like they need to lose more weight. They don't feel as attractive as they felt before. Um, However, resuming sex after the six-week postpartum period is very important, very important to maintain a healthy relationship with, with their significant others. And couples who lack the sexual intimacy for prolonged periods of time can definitely um, develop resentment. Um, sometimes in our practice, uh, when this happens, we do have a new intimacy clinic that just um formed and sometimes we will refer to the intimacy clinic what i had no idea there was such a thing as an intimacy clinic who runs these clinics kim <laughs> so actually it's one of my partners who uh just recently started it and it's uh, it's actually a, a, a reach out clinic for women who have had babies who have that decreased desire to have uh sex and also for um cancer patients pause for a second Pause for a second. Who, what, what degree do you need to do that? Uh, MD. There's an MD that's running this intimacy clinic. Uh, one of your partners? Amy Hayes. GYN only. And she's, really? uh -huh, and she's running it with a psychologist, with the psychiatrist. They just hired a new psychiatrist within community. And she's also running it with, um, um, a psychologist. And she's also running it with a pelvic floor physical therapist. That's what I need That's to That's amazing. I want to be a sex that therapist. It's amazing. Yeah. It just started about two weeks ago. Okay. Mm. So, so you uh, would recommend people that have issues with intimacy uh, be referred to something like this type of clinic. Is, uh, okay. And so who would be recommended to this? Is it just women that haven't had sex after a certain amount of time, like at what point would you recommend somebody to this type of clinic? Um, patients who um, struggle with the desire a lot of times to have intercourse, patients who have pain with intercourse. Um, some patients actually uh, go with their partners to the intimacy clinic when they have body, you know, body issues. Oh, wow. Okay. I think that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. Okay, so Kim, at this point, we usually talk about a couple cases. Okay. And I have an eager intern that has a couple cases they're going to run by us, and okay. we will discuss. Okay. All right, so intern, can you go with our first case? Our first case for the day is a 35-year-old patient who just had her third baby vaginally eight weeks ago. During delivery, she had a laceration, which was repaired. She and her husband attempted to have intercourse two weeks ago, but she experienced vaginal dryness and pain and asked him to stop. 
Since that time, she has been afraid to attempt sexual intercourse again. What are some of the things that she can try to help the pain with intercourse that is also safe while breastfeeding? So one of the things that she definitely can try is um, lubrication. Uh, We usually have our patients um, trial, you know, um, lubrication that they can get over the counter. Another thing sometimes we'll have patients trial is uh, we'll prescribe like a lighter cane jelly um, to just kind of numb the area a little bit um, before sexual intercourse. Um, You know, depending on how the laceration was graded, you know, our grades are going to be one through four, one being the least, four being the worst. In some of the worst cases, sometimes we do have to refer patients to our um, pelvic floor physical therapist. But uh, usually with a little bit of time and lubrication, typically most patients do very well. So you would tell her, lube it up and try again, basically. But (laughs) is this somebody... (laughs) Is this somebody you would refer to the um, to your postpartum clinic that you mentioned before your your clinic for uh, issues with sex? Well, not necessarily not right in the beginning. I think this is a patient who I would definitely have try a couple things at home, like the lubrication, maybe lidocaine jelly. I would say if, you know, they go on for several weeks after or even months after with still continuing to have pain, it would be a person that could be referred to the intimacy clinic, just more so given the fact that there is um, a pelvic floor physical therapist that can definitely work with them after a good thorough exam, of course. Of course. Now, is the intimacy clinic just for postpartum patients or this is just everybody in general? It's everybody in general. Gotcha. Okay. it, and it all depends on, you know, it doesn't make a difference how far out postpartum patients are. They could be a year out. They could be two years out. Um, cancer patients, that's kind of how it all evolves with the with the cancer patient. Got you. Okay. And so vaginal dryness is, is uh, for our listeners, very, very common um, because as Dr. Harris said earlier, your estrogen levels do drop uh, after you deliver. And it's not that they like plummet. It's just that they go back to what they were before you delivered. And so during the pregnancy, your estrogen and progesterone levels, they go through the roof. I mean, your hormones are raging while you're pregnant. And then after you deliver over those couple weeks afterwards, your hormone levels do drop and then basically go back down to their pre-pregnant state. So it, it, it gives you the sensation that, hey, I, I'm my my I have more vaginal dryness because my estrogen levels have dropped because your body is getting uh, adjusted. But this vaginal dryness is not something that usually is prolonged um, forever. So I don't want listeners to be like, oh my god, I'm going to have a baby and then I'm going to be I'm going to have <laughs> vaginal dryness forever. What am I going to do? Um, I would say that everybody, and don't you agree, Kim, should use some type of lubrication when they have sexual intercourse, just in general. Here in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. This helps out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is with or without a condom, by the way. And if people don't, I think, don't use condoms correctly. And that's how I end up in business um, because <laughs> condoms break, right? When they you do. don't use lubrication, that is, <laughs> that's one of the main reasons that you can have a condom to break because you're not using lubrication inside and out of the condom. So if you are postpartum and you're trying to prevent a pregnancy, you're not using lubrication. That's 
that's bad. That's how this happens. And no, the vagina is naturally lubricated, but you still need help. Talk to our listeners about some of the changes they can experience uh, with their bodies as well as mood changes uh, after they deliver. Okay. So one of the most common things um, on the topic that we're on is um, sexual dysfunction. That could be from, you know, uh, perineal trauma or, you know, lacerations, episiotomies, just delivering a baby vaginally. Wait a minute, um, Kim. So tell, tell our listeners what perineal trauma is. So it's, so perineal trauma is just basically where a woman, um, just as it sounds, can have trauma from either pushing a baby out or have a tear in um, the muscles that make up the walls of the vagina. Sometimes those tears can occur naturally or sometimes they can occur um, from a physician creating a tear to allow baby to um, come out. Okay, and so from that, that perineal quote-unquote trauma can cause sexual dysfunction. How is that, Kim? It can because it can cause a lot of uh, pain. You have su- you have material there as we repair those tears that then have to heal. Um, scar tissue can form, um, and that can actually cause pain during intercourse after giving birth. Also, with the concern for low estrogen and decreased lubrication, particularly in breastfeeding women, that can then cause problems as addressed in that uh, case first case that we talked about. Also, women can have some postpartum changes um, just in relation to mood. Um, They have fatigue. They have time constraints. Now they have a baby that's feeding about every two to four hours. You know, women, oftentimes we are planners. We're thinking about, you know, getting our baby fed and, you know, making sure the house is clean and making sure there's dinner on the table. So a lot of times, you know, sex husbands become, you know, put on the back burner, unfortunately, just because of time constraints. Women go through postpartum blues. They have sadness and crying and anxiety. They can experience things like postpartum depression, um, you know, changes that occur in the breast. Sometimes women can have in, infections called, called mastitis, um, postpartum weight gain retention, all big changes in that postpartum phase. Yeah, I remember um, when I was breastfeeding, and I say breastfeeding with air quotes because, oh. you know, my little underproducing milk, You know, I just did not produce and I was literally doing everything that I could to try to produce and end up getting a breast cyst. You know, people are like the lactation specialist, like, well, you have to massage while you pump. Then I end up getting a breast cyst. And Dr. Harris was like, oh, no, you need to see the breast surgeon right now. (laughs) Well, it was pretty big. Yeah, it was really big, you know, and and that's the other thing about, I mean, not to delve into that, but just breast concerns. Whenever you have a breast cyst or a breast mass in in pregnancy, we can't always just assume it's a clogged up. You know, sometimes it could be something else like a cancer. That's why you always have to, you know, be an advocate for yourself, tell your physician what's going on and make sure that that concern is followed up. Yeah, that is very, very true case pearl is that it is normal 
to experience episodes of vaginal dryness and have trouble with sexual intercourse in the immediate postpartum period. Lubrication should be used first, but obviously you should talk to your OBGYN or provider um, if you're having any issues. So Agreed. <laughs> so, <laughs> medical intern, do we have any more cases? Yes. Our second case is a 23-year-old patient who just had her first baby four weeks ago. She delivered vaginally. She has had trouble breastfeeding, but noticed that she experiences milk letdown during foreplay. She realizes that she is not supposed to have intercourse for six weeks, but feels feels it could be beneficial. Should she wait the full six weeks or is it okay to resume intercourse earlier? So I think any OBGYN would tell this patient, please wait the full six weeks for your body to to actually heal before having sex. Um, It is actually common for women that have fuller breasts to actually leak. So in a case like this, once she's cleared at her six week postpartum visit, I would tell her, you know, anytime before having um, intercourse, maybe she should feed the baby first or do some pumping before uh, sex. I know that that may not be ideal if you're in the moment and it just kind of comes out of nowhere, but that is probably going to be particularly important. You know, anytime oxytocin is released, um, there's always going to be some sort of milk release. And especially for first time moms, I just feel like, you know, it's 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 newer. I just feel like with second time, third time moms, they typically don't leak as much as first time moms. I think they do leak a little bit more frequently. Um, But I do think that they should or once she gets that six week postpartum visit and is cleared, I think that she should actually start uh, pumping or feeding before having intercourse. You know, Dr. Harris, that's just not sexy, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, some people just incorporate leaky breasts into sexual activity, and that's okay. (laughs) Well, and, you know, um, I would say if it because I think that that's very good advice. You know, if you're in the mood or if you're horny, take 10 minutes. Put the pump up to your breast. Go ahead and have a milk let down and then go and do whatever you need to do. But the opposite could be true as well, right? So if you have sex first, that allows your breast to be more engorged. And exactly. then you can then pump and probably produce more with that pump after exactly. sexual intercourse. Exactly. So, uh, I, mean, so I think before may- after. Exactly. Before or after is fine. You know, I, th- this may not be be sexy, but I mean, she, you know, if she is not comfortable with milk letdown or some sort of leakage while in the process of having sex again after six weeks, um, she can always wear a bra with with uh, pads inside to catch the milk. She could use the Haka cups, which are little cups that you put inside your bra. It's like a soft cup. And it actually can be used uh, for milk storage. So some some of my patients wear Haka cups and they collect breast milk um, while they have their bra on. So that is something that she could do. Or she could actually just incorporate that leakage into foreplay. Or, uh, you know, you did bring up a good good thing. Uh, There are portable breast pumps like the Willow Pump. Mm-hmm. which is just a pump you can put in your bra. And so if she is having foreplay, she could always 
literally pump hands free yep. while she's having foreplay or after the six weeks postpartum uh, visit and clearance, uh, she could always have sex while she is using her portable pump. That is something that could be done as well. Exactly. The willow is the Bluetooth pump. Is that the one with the? Yes. Blue? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've talked and to several a- biomedication consultants about that one. There's a couple of them on the market now that are like portable, hands-free. Uh, I know a lot of uh, doctors that are in the hospital rounding while they are pumping. <laughs> and nobody knows it except for, because it's quiet, right? Exactly. So it's quiet. And so you can pump while you're doing your normal day-to-day activity. Nobody knows that you're doing. So Thanks. that is another option. Yeah. Kim, what are some other tips that if she's trying to increase her milk production now, that's outside of foreplay that she could do to um, help? I would say the best thing um, at increase in milk production, at least this is what I found for me, and I, tr- I, I preach this to my patient, is just pumping as often as possible. Um, I think when I was uh, pumping or breastfeeding, I went about every two to two and a half hours. I would say no more than four hours, but I do think that that is going to be one of the most important things is um, putting baby to the breast anywhere from every two to four or pumping about every two to four hours. I think that if women can do that consistently, I think that they're going to have a very, very much so improved production. So, Kim, what do you think about, I know a lot of people have asked me about mother's milk tea, fenugreek supplementation. Um, Do you have any experience with any of those or do you recommend those to your patients? You know, I have in the past and I think it's just going to be patient dependent. I've had some patients have have done very well using those uh, methods um, or using those products. And then I've had some patients that just did not. It just didn't work for them as well. I've had patients say fenugreek gives them really bad gas. Um, mm-hmm. So that is not sexy or anything that they were interested in using after they use it, you know, once or twice. But I will say for some patients, it does help. And, and I would add to that. I think that I agree with you. Uh, the supplementation can help. But I think that people forget that they have to drink a lot of water. I mean, you are. Yes. You are like a constant stream, right? And you have to eat more when you are in your postpartum period than when you were pregnant. So in pregnancy, you're only supposed to increase your calories by 300 calories a day, which is like looking at a French fry. And in the postpartum period, you should increase your calories by 500 calories a day if you are breastfeeding, because it takes a lot of energy to breastfeed. But we can't forget the water, You will not produce anything if you're not drinking enough water. Exactly. And I usually tell patients about three to four liters of water a day. Um, Some patients are overachievers and they drink a gallon a day. Good for them. Um, But if you could at least get in three to four a day, that would be good. Okay. So Case Pearl, it is important to wait the full six weeks to resume sexual intercourse to allow your body to heal, especially if you have... Uh, had a surgery like a C-section or a laceration repair, which meaning that laceration is when you have a tear in the vagina. It is uh, the most important thing to improve your breast milk production is consistency. As Dr. Harris has said, consistently breastfeed at least every three to four hours to improve your production. Okay. Medical intern, do we have any emailed questions from our listeners? 
We do. This one, it reads, Hi, I had a baby four months ago. Sexual intercourse has been going okay. I've been successfully breastfeeding since birth. My issue is that I don't feel comfortable allowing my husband to touch my breasts during sexual intercourse. I feel like it will contaminate the breast milk. Am I overreacting? I would say in this case, she is overreacting just a little bit. I mean, bacteria on our skin is very, very normal. And, you know, with good hygiene and intact nipples, it is definitely okay for her husband to be all over those breasts. You know, I will say, and I and I, I uh, have talked to one of our lactation consultants about this because this is a common question that they have gotten um, in the past and currently. They they call it family flora, air quotes family flora, <laughs> <laughs> which means you know it's likely that whatever germs or bacteria. We are sure that her husband has already exposed her to it before. So I think that this this case in point, I, I do think that she would definitely be fine. Just know it's the family flora. Make sure the nipples are intact. You know, be intimate with your husband. It is definitely okay to let him touch the breast. And um, just with good hygiene, I think she'll be okay. Okay. And so, Kim, when you say good hygiene, quote unquote, like what should... <laughs> What should people be doing when they are breastfeeding to make sure they're keeping good hygiene? Well, you know, just after just making sure that the nipples are clean, making sure the skin looks intact. Um, If they're pumping, making sure. And I know that this is one of the pet peeves of pumping, which is why a lot of women do not like to pump. Just making sure that every little piece from the, the, the actual pump is clean and sanitary. Oh, yeah. Those pieces, they have to, it's not good enough to just rinse your pump and go. One, milk sours, it will start to smell. And then, two, you do have to take even the membrane that's between that suction, you have to take all of those things apart. You have to take the tubing apart and you have to clean it with soap and water and let it dry all the way before its next use. Okay. So, do not just rinse that thing and think that it's clean because it's not. And breast milk is very fatty. It has yes. a lot of fat content. So yes. you'll notice that, you know, that the tubing, the bottle will feel sort of greasy after you after you use it. So you really do have to clean it with uh, soap and water. Yes, yes. Let it sit for a couple minutes. Get all engine. Just start. I used to always... Um, scrub with a bottle brush and I would use yeah. the bottle brush to clean um, the, the, uh, the pump parts. Yes. And then, it, then most of the pumps do come with these little bitty, um, I guess I call them mini scrubs to get into the oh. crevices <laughs> of like the smaller, like the, where the tube attaches in, in yeah. the event that you get milk behind that membrane. So just make sure to wash that. And then also I know that people don't like to, pump as much as latching the baby or allowing the baby to latch because they don't want to, they don't want to clean it, but you still have to clean your breast before your baby latches. So yes. that's important too. I know we say family flora, but um, I don't know how to say this without sounding, you know, blunt. You Wash should not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You should not 
have sex and then all of a sudden attach the baby to your breast without washing your breast or at least taking a you know soap and water or a, a mm-hmm. towel and wiping over your breasts like that's why your husband can touch your breast and then you also breastfeed exactly <laughs> that may not be self-explanatory so i wanted to make sure that we said that right so in wrapping up anything you want to add for tips for our uh listeners dr harris Um, So I would say, you know, if a lactation consultant is um, at your hospital or, um, you know, you know of a lactation consultant that you could rely on, I think that lactation consultants are going to be your best source of information. Also, um, you know, talk to your OBGYNs. Um, because they can get you the resources that you need. And also talk to the pediatricians because they have a lot of resources also. Um, There's a good website called Kelly Moms. I know I went to that website a couple times when I had some issues with pumping or breastfeeding, especially for, you know, just common questions that you might have or, you know, questions that you may not even think of. Um, I do think that that's a good resource. But if you have lactation consultants, I think that they would be um, some of the best people to first go to. And when um, should people ask to speak with a lactation consultant? After the baby delivers. (laughs) (laughs) So in the hospital is key. Okay. So, so a lot of moms do not realize that they have that resource available to them right then. And you should really be, if you're going to breastfeed, do not supplement, do not start off with supplementation, especially not in the hospital. And if your nurse mentions supplementation in the hospital, Ask to speak to a lactation consultant at that time, because (laughs) once you introduce that, you know, immediate gratification of breast milk, it's going to be harder for you to continue to 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 pump and breastfeed because you're going to realize it's it's easier to uh, just use formula. And I'm not knocking formula. I I breastfed my baby and I did end up eventually supplementing because I was an underproducer, but I tried my hardest not to supplement um, until I absolutely had to. So please talk to your lactation specialist as soon as you start having issues. And honestly, everyone should see a lactation specialist before they leave the hospital. Yes, yes, I agree. And just like uh, Dr. Plenty just said, you know, we are not over here knocking formula. Um, For some patients, you know, they may have issues with breastfeeding or pumping and formula is is there. So, you know, if you have to use formula, please, by all means, do. I know sometimes this could be um, very hard on a lot of patients and sometimes this can um, create the the situations of postpartum depression and postpartum blues. Um, But if you have a lactation consultant available, please, by all means, contact them. And some lactation consultants um, once a week will have breastfeeding groups with moms. Also sources on like Facebook, the breastfeeding mom groups, pregnancy groups. So that's also really good resources. Um, Kim, before we uh, go, tell our listeners some of the benefits or maybe the differences between formula and breast milk. Well, um, kind of as we mentioned before with the, well, you know, with formula, I'm sorry, with human milk, 
difference here is that, you know, it contains a ton of macronutrients and micronutrients. It has living cells in it. It has growth factors in it. It has immunoprotective substances in it. So that helps with things like SIDS and ear infections and um, allergic conditions. With formula, unfortunately, you just don't have. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. So if you are formula feeding, as Dr. Harris has said, the major difference is going to be your macronutrients and your immune boosters, right? So you yes. can't you can't give antibodies through formula, but nutritionally they are the same. Okay, yeah. so they are the same nutritionally. So if you're beating yourself up thinking you're not giving your baby good nutrients, that's a lie because formula and breast milk nutritionally are the exact same. The thing that you're missing is the antibodies and babies don't make their own antibodies to support their immune system until that six month period. So that's the, that's the difference uh, between um, the two. So I know we say, like I say best is breast, but it's whatever, like a, a fed baby is technically the best. best. Okay. <laughs> yes. I will second that. <laughs> All right. So Doc, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast and sharing your expertise. If someone wanted to see you as a patient or follow you on social media, how can they find you? So I am at a Community Hospital North. That's in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, our office number is area code 317-621-9500. Um, I am on Instagram under kim.stacy.harrismd um, that would be my uh, Instagram page um, but my office would be the best place to contact me awesome and uh, like I say she is the uh, best OBGYN on the planet okay <laughs> I personally chose her as uh, my OBGYN and I had the best care and I was one of the oh, highest risk you. patients in the hospital <laughs> and she took <laughs> amazing care of me so i definitely fully endorse the care uh the and the skills of uh of dr harris who uh did an excellent c-section on me and i have a cute little bikini cut now <laughs> well thank, um, so you. thank you please check her out and if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation let me know about it Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Also, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions 
regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.